When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff and today Jero and I are going to be talking about mountain biking in Europe. So Jero actually lives in Italy, in Turin, the Torino area. But before moving to Italy, Jero, you were living in Oregon. So how'd you end up there in Europe? So I was living in Portland, Oregon. And I was there for about 15 years and I met a friend in grad school who had a farm over here. And we kind of devised a loose plan to start working on his farm. It's just south of Florence in Italy mm-hmm. and uh, moved over. And that plan didn't didn't pan out as as they often don't. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we were riding up in the Alps one day and decided we wanted to live closer to the mountains. So we moved up here. OK, so when you first got to Europe, you weren't living where you are now. You're you're planning to settle in a different spot. That's right. Yeah, we were down in Tuscany kind of close to the middle, eh, upper middle, northern middle of Italy, kind of just south of Florence. Yeah. Did the mountain biking play into your decision at all to move to Italy? Like even initially, were you like, okay, I can work on this farm and also check out all the mountain biking? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had been over here, actually, uh, my partner and I had been over here for a race in Italy, the Altavia stage race that doesn't happen anymore, but it was a really cool eight day cross country race. Um, and just really loved the trails and noticed that there were really, there were trails everywhere, like kind of everywhere you go, every single mountainside, <laughs> every little town we went to, there was something and usually like something worth riding. There was a lot of really, really cool trails. So, uh, in Portland, there's you have to drive to ride pretty much. I mean, there's a tiny, teeny, tiny bit, like I think less than a mile of trail there. <laughs> That's not enough. No. So, <laughs> so yeah, moving somewhere was definitely always uh, going to happen. And the challenge of, you know, like learning a new culture and new language was exciting. So cool. Well, yeah. Describe sort of the local mountain bike trails around you in Torino. Yeah. So on the southeast side of town, we have a small, kind of longer little little hill. Um, it's like a 40-minute to an hour long climb with a whole bunch of trails around both sides and across the top. It's a, a whole bunch of cross-country stuff that's really well-made, well and mm-hmm. a lot of it's well-maintained. Uh, it's oak forest, so it uh, doesn't get too covered in branches. Okay. Yeah, there's maybe six gravity tracks that... Uh, folks will, you know, train for enduro and downhill and stuff like that on the rest of it's some really nice cross country stuff. And they're all open to hiking, mountain biking, horses, whatever. There's no regulation really. Yeah, that's cool. So what's like the elevation gain, like from the, from the bottom to the top, would you say? Uh, I think it's around a thousand feet. Oh, wow. That's, that's a pretty big hill for a lot of people. A lot of people might call that a mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we're right. I mean, we can see the Alps from that hill or mountain. So, you know, comparatively, it's like a little lump. Yeah. Being able to see the the massive mountains right above us. 
Yeah, that's really cool. Sounds really scenic. And you talked about, you did a story a few weeks ago about sort of the the way trails are built and, and developed sort of in your area. Um, a lot of it started out or maybe still is like social trails, right? These aren't like trails where some group came in and like raised a bunch of money and built trails. Like these trails have just been created by users over time, right? Yeah, exactly. A lot of them were created by a cross-country club or team that I ride with quite a bit. It's a bunch of folks who just want to ride and they go out and meet with landowners and just get, you know, sort of verbal confirmation that they can build a trail and they build it. So yeah, it's not like illegal trail building. It's like more, it's informal trail building, maybe we would say. Exactly. Yeah. Minus the bureaucracy and 10 times the trail. Yeah. Pretty much. That's really cool. Well, is it worth like if somebody is visiting the area, like, is it worth riding the trails or are they more like local trails where, you know, I mean, it's good if you live there and it's convenient and you do it sort of after work or, or are these like destination trails where you would recommend people come and check them out? I think for sure, if someone was in the area, you know, if you're like wine tasting or something. (laughs) Yeah, as you do. As people do, you know, it's a nice, uh, nice place to come to Alba or somewhere and, and do a wine tasting. It's pretty popular. Mm-hmm. I think it's worth riding the trails around town. They're super well built. The catch, I guess, is that you would need to go to a shop. Seems to be the easiest way to, and ask for somebody to go on a ride with you. Like nothing's signed. Mm. And there's so many trails that it's pretty easy to get lost. Yeah. So yeah, there's no map. There's no signage. I mean, that's definitely a part of what they're working on and what they're trying to change. The city is working with the builders and with Imba Italia a little bit and with um, the local Alpine clubs to try and sort out how they can, how or if they can put together a map and start signing things. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, are the are the local builders on board with that? I mean, we've we've read some stories recently about trails that were sort of informally created like this and then some group comes in and says, "Hey, we want to make these official and add signs and stuff." And and the local trail builders start to push back and say, "Hey, like we just want to have these trails to ourselves. We don't want a lot of people coming here." Is there any sense of that? among the local community or is everybody sort of on board and excited about sharing it with others? I mean, I'm sure there's a a bit of that. The folks that I have talked to are all really excited and they're kind of at the front of trying to get things mapped and to get the city. They really want to get the city on board and interested in tourism. A lot of them that work in the bike industry, they own bike shops right? or they're physical therapists or whatever. They work with cyclists in some, some fashion. Physical therapists. That's interesting. <laughs> Try to drum up more business, ride your bike more people get hurt. Oh, for sure. For sure. We'll work on you. Yeah. <laughs> Never thought of that. Yeah. They're definitely interested in, you know, sort of a tourism draw. That's uh you know, Finale is only an hour and a half away from us, or actually less than that without traffic. And I think people really have seen the benefit and how things have worked out there. I mean, that community has mm-hmm. definitely benefited from mountain biking. And there's there's other communities like this one who want to get in on it. Well, yeah. So you mentioned Finale. And, you know, you've been in Italy for a while now. And so you've been able to travel around to a lot of races and events. So what are some of your other favorite spots to ride in Italy so far? 
Oh man, there's so many. <laughs> it really is like every hillside has something cool to ride and something different huh. because of the, the makeup of the place. I guess to start with the Mediterranean mountains, uh, some of them are called the Apennine Mountains and some are the Ligurian I don't know exactly what they call them. Hmm. The Ligurian Alps, maybe? Okay. But I don't think that's right. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> that's down around Finale. And then there's Diana Marino and uh, Pietro, Pietro Liguri, where there was uh, the Super Enduro this last weekend. Okay. Really nice, well-built trails. It's uh, down there. It's pretty rocky. Um, a lot of it you can ride, even if after like the day after it's rained, it won't be super muddy. It's, it is fairly rocky and there's good grip on the rocks. Yeah. And you're on the Mediterranean too, right? So it's pretty temperate and you can, are people riding there year round in some of those spots? Absolutely. Absolutely. All year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you can go, you can shuttle to the top of 20 minute, 30 minute long descents all year long. That's cool. Yeah. I just, I always think of when I think of mountain biking in Europe, I just imagine the Alps and I think about like snow and, you know, like limited riding season and stuff. But then, you know, what we've been seeing from you, a lot of the photos and like the places you've visited so far, like it looks really cool. Not a lot of rain, like sunny conditions and warm all year round. Like that sounds really cool. Totally. Uh, there's kind of a seasonal shift for folks that live here. That's different for people who visit, I suppose, mm -hmm. where we ride on the coast all winter long and mostly through the shoulder seasons. Okay. And then when all the tourists come to the come to the Mediterranean, we go to the mountains and all the snow's <laughs> melted. So cool. It works out. It works out perfect. Yeah. So um the coast of France is also really good and totally worth checking out. Like around Nice and yeah. Saint Tropez. There's some really cool, like super steep trails. There's a lot of stuff that I wouldn't necessarily recommend to everyone, mm -hmm. but if you like a good steep challenge um there's some of the most difficult trails i've ever ridden are in southern france oh wow they're really cool like fun fun challenges for sure and then uh and then in the alps it's i don't know it seems endless to me <laughs> yeah i'm sure well is it pretty easy to get around to like visit these places i mean i guess you have a car and a bike rack and stuff but you know if you weren't like if you we're traveling there. Would it be easy for someone like figure all that out on their own? Yeah, I think so. Especially to go to some of the more iconic places. If you want to ride La Tuile or Canadze or Pila, the larger ski resorts that all become bike parks in the summer are pretty accessible. You can take a bus there and then rent a bike when you're there. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's really accessible or rent a car and drive up there. Oh, if you've got your own bike. Yeah, there's it's all. Yeah, super accessible. Yeah. One thing I would say that's a little di or a lot different is camping. Like you can't just, you know, it's not like you just pull over in the national forest and pitch a tent. Uh, yeah, people do that. But legally, you have to go to a campsite and campsites here are really it's kind of like an outside hotel. Like there's a shower. There's a there's often like a pool and oh, wow. a restaurant place to place to get a beer it's uh yeah it's it's a different different thing for sure that's my kind of camping yeah <laughs> <laughs> is it expensive like to go camping not terribly it kind of depends on the season and where you're at 
usually 15 to 30 euros a night. Okay. Yeah, if you're just one car and you're going to sleep in your car or sleep in a tent, it's not. It's definitely more affordable than any hotel. Yeah, it sounds similar to in the U.S. So, yeah, you've been you've been in Italy for a while, and it sounds like this summer you got plans to maybe check out some other countries, right? Yeah, I hope to get over to Slovenia this year, uh, if possible. That one's pretty high on the list. I'm going to go to Switzerland and cover the EWS race in Zermatt, and then uh, possibly some go watch some races and do some riding in Austria and Germany as well. Cool. Yeah, there's the Imba Summit in Denmark coming up, and there's a big bike festival around that, so that'll be cool to check out. I've never never been to that part of the world, so pretty stoked. Yeah, what what is the riding like in Denmark, as far as you can tell? No idea. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm stoked to check it out. I really am. Yeah, I have no clue. Yeah, that's interesting. I just imagine flat, but who knows? Yeah, that's my guess as well but uh, I'll report back. Yeah. Well, even Florida has mountain biking, good mountain biking. So not going to, not going to judge it. All right. So how would you say the riding scene is different in Europe than it is in the U S I would say, I mean, at least where I rode in Oregon and Washington, there were a lot of like 20, 30 mile out and backs or loops, mm -hmm. even, you know, like 50, hundred mile loops that you could do. And that was, I really enjoyed those. Yeah. And they're, are some of those here, but they're fewer and okay. further between trails here are more like at least the ones I'm finding. Maybe I'm, maybe it's who I'm riding with, but it's a lot of like ride up a fire road and then ride down some pretty gnarly natural trail seems to be more the, the focus of how things are built. I mean, do people like string together multiple tracks like that? Like you ride through a town and then like hit some trail and then back on the pavement for a little bit until you get to the next trail. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's even, even in really popular shuttle spots like Finale, there's really good ways to put together huge full day rides. Mm. One of them, I think I put it in the article, the Shredless article about Finale. You can take a single uplift to the kind of the top of the mountain range there mm -hmm. and then ride down Karma Trail back up to the top of a trail called Brick Tampa. And then you have to climb back up over this big ridge and back into town. And I think... We did it like no stopping, no, no photo shoots. Uh, <laughs> I think it was six and a half hours Wow! Of, of moving time last year. So that's a, that's my favorite ride over there. It's fantastic. It's a good one for a shoulder season day when it's not too hot. Yeah, that's awesome. So how else is it different in Europe or at least the part of Europe that you've ridden um, in terms of like the, the environment where you're at? I would say one of the most noticeable things is the forest. A lot of the forest here has been cut down and replanted. Various regimes and wars have kind of leveled all sorts of different parts of Europe, including in the Alps, you know, building ships and all sorts of other things. And so there are almost no old growth forests whatsoever, like in the true sense of ancient forests where they're you know, there's a 500-year-old tree that fell on the ground that's feeding 100-year-old trees growing out of it kind of a thing like you have in the Northwest that that doesn't exist here, almost not at all. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that because you think we think of Europe and we're like, oh, there's, you know, 1,000-year-old buildings and things. But, but I guess the natural environment is not actually 
as ancient as some of the stuff we have here in the U.S. Totally. I heard somebody say the other day that someone else who had moved here, like you just get used to beauty, like just these beautiful buildings and statues and human-made things. Kind of like if you live in the Pacific Northwest or somewhere with massive forests, Hmm. you just get used to this like amazing forest and it's maybe not quite as stunning to you anymore. But when you don't, when you don't live there, you notice for sure. Right. Huh. Interesting. And the way that people, I guess, approach recreation is a little bit different in Europe as well, like the land use and things like that, right? Yeah, it definitely, it's definitely different. There's a lot of harvesting that goes on. Folks harvest mushrooms and things. So that's one piece of that. Like there's a lot of people who seem to see the forest as work. Yeah. Who aren't, you know, lumberjacks or something like that. (laughs) But then in terms of everyone being able to use the space, it's really open. There's no, there aren't regulations on e-bikes or, you know, there's not like very many trails where only hikers can be on this trail. Mm, Uh, Yeah. Those exist, but there's not a ton of them. And for the most part, if you're riding down some gravity focused, uh, mountain bike trail, nobody's like, everybody's going to know that's what it's for. And they're not going to hike on it. I've never run into a hiker on, you know, a real serious gravity trail. It just wouldn't be any fun to hike. (laughs) Right. Interesting. And then, yeah, I mean, Europe obviously is more densely populated in a lot of ways. I mean, people are like concentrated more in the cities and things. Does that affect sort of how you experience the trails and trail use? For sure. Yeah. I mean, you're always riding, almost every trail will go through, you know, kind of someone's backyard or what once was someone's backyard. Mm -hmm. And to the point that when we were in Tuscany, we would ride through like Etruscan tomb sites and there'd be these plaques in the forest um, kind of sharing information about ancient people that had done, you know, various cool things in that spot. So yeah, it's, there's always some human made thing on almost any ride and there's less and less of that in the Alps, but you still will run into small towns like more frequently than you would say in, in a lot of the U S and Canada. Yeah. Interesting. And so I guess that also means there isn't a lot of like government land, uh, at least in Italy where you are, a lot of it's just privately owned and there aren't like these massive, you know, national forests or, you know, state forests or things like that. Uh, there are, there are state forests, but they're like some state forests in the U S they'll be managed alongside different agricultural practices and they'll be open to certain amounts of cutting and harvesting and different things like that. Yeah. But there are state and national forests. I think, I think they just call them all state forests. Yeah. I mean, I know that, uh, like in Sardinia, there's a good portion of the Island that is covered with state forests. And it's really one of the few places in Europe that I've found so far where you can feel kind of secluded. Like you can go for a ride and there's just nobody for hours. Yeah. Interesting. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So we talked about some of the differences between riding in Europe, the mountain bike scene and the U S how is it similar? Like, have you been able as an expat moving there? Have you been able to connect with some of the locals through your love of mountain biking? For sure. Yeah. I mean, almost all the friends I've made so far are people I've met while I was riding 
somewhere, riding in the hills here in Torino or in the Alps or over on the East Coast in the Dolomites. Just meet people, swap numbers, and uh, you know, and go for more rides. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been great. People have been really friendly and helpful and excited to share their local trail systems or a good place to eat or cool place to stay. Yeah. So yeah, it's been fantastic. That's awesome. And then, yeah. So how is like the riding similar to here in the U S I mean, everybody just loves to ride and loves to descend. It's universal. Yeah, totally. Like when I moved, a lot of my friends were getting more and more into to gravity, like moving a little bit away from cross country, still enjoying, like enjoying climbs and technical flatter trails, but really like getting excited to go faster and learn how to do different things going downhill. Mm -hmm. And that's picked up massively here. I mean, enduro racing is, it's huge. Uh, the race last weekend, there were 400 people. There were folks from the Czech Republic, Poland, uh, I rode with a Swiss guy pretty much all day. A lot of Italians, of course, a bunch of people from France cause we were really close to the border. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just, I mean, it's still exploding. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. How do people view like bike tech and stuff? Like are the bikes different that you're seeing over there? I mean, I guess there are probably brands that are more popular in Europe than in the U S but overall, are you seeing like similar bike setups there? Yeah, it seems fairly similar to me. Actually, a lot of U.S. brands are pretty popular. You see a lot of Santa Cruz bikes and Giants. I think Santa Cruz might actually be the most the bike I see the most. Really? Yeah. At races, there's quite a few Yetis for sure. I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of U.S. brands that are that people are excited about. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the whole market is is pretty global anyway. I mean, Santa Cruz now technically is owned by a Dutch company, right? So. I believe so. Yeah, that's right. So I guess it's a European brand now and giant too. Yeah. My understanding is it was, you know, always based in Taiwan or somewhere, Asia. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, a lot of their marketing does seem really U.S. focused. So yeah, that's interesting. For sure. Yeah. And then there's, there's quite a few cool European brands as well. And just brands that you don't see as much in the u.s they're not necessarily european orbea is really popular i saw see tons of people riding the rayon yeah spanish brand right yeah that's a that's definitely a popular bike and a good looking one mm -hmm. what else ancelotti is a pretty popular local brand their bikes are made maybe a half an hour north of me so uh and they support a pretty cool juniors team let's see what else lapierre's are fairly popular they've got uh some pretty sweet kind of all-mountain enduro bikes yeah that folks are excited about there's a there's a long list of e-bike only brands that i'll skip yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's see uh bold is another cool one okay yeah people get pretty stoked on those you don't see as many of them and i'm not sure why i don't ride in switzerland much so maybe that's it they're a swiss brand and yeah i don't know Maybe that has something to do with it, but yeah, that's cool. So what's like the biking infrastructure like in Europe? You know, we always hear that, um, at least like in terms of commuting or things like that, like people are more open to using bikes to get around, but what are the, what are like the mountain bike amenities, like the trails and the shops and like rental bikes and stuff like that? What, what's the scene like there? Hmm. Well, I would say it's fairly similar. To take one example, there's a shop in Finale that 
I, they have like four or five different kinds of bikes you can rent and almost any day you can go in and kind of pick the bike you want to ride that day and test out whatever cost is pretty similar i think they're maybe 50 bucks a day yeah that sounds about right well actually that sounds cheaper i feel like the nice bikes here now you, you're looking at like 75 a day yeah our cost of living is quite a bit lower so kind of kind of everything has to be a little cheaper like <laughs> lift lift passes at some of the best resorts will be 15 to 20 euros often yeah and that's not a lot it's like 30 dollars or so maybe yeah yeah it's a huge that's actually a huge difference like ski resorts also for skiing are just not not very expensive hmm. comparatively yeah and then you mentioned like the campgrounds being a little different where you have like a little restaurant and like more amenities are the trailheads that way like are there bike shops closer to the trailheads or like food and stuff like that available I guess that would be one pretty big difference. I mean, there's food available everywhere <laughs> in Italy. Like if there's a building, somebody probably wants you to, to eat in it. It seems <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. It's not terrible, but, uh, trailheads are, are often not marked and you kind of have to find a place to park where you can, unless it's like a place that's designated really like this is a mountain bike spot. Yeah. Places like Latuil and Pila and, you know, the kind of the places that most folks who are familiar with riding over here, like they, they're, uh, you know, more of a household name. Yeah. That's because like not everybody drives to the trail, right? A lot of people are going to be riding to the trail from their house or whatever, right? Yeah, it can be, or they'll just ride from the, the closest town this is a pretty common thing for us. Anyway, we'll just go park in a town and climb to the top of the nearest hill and hop on the trails. Oh, uh, okay. Shuttling is also... I mean, I don't know how much that's changed in the last couple of years since I left the U.S., but it's super popular here. There's like if you have a van uh, and you live, you know, in, in Finale or really anywhere near the mountains, like you're probably and you're into mountain biking, you're probably trying to have a shuttle service on the weekend. <laughs> yeah. So you're selling food out of your house and then you're you're using your vehicle to shuttle people. That's awesome. How, what are the prices like for that? Like if you got to shuttle up. Uh, always depends on the spot, but usually it's 10 bucks if you just want one lift. I know in Finale, that's kind of, that's the, the rate for any service, 10 bucks for one lift. And then you can usually do some kind of top laps with maybe 10 minute descents and then pedal back up and do that until you're tired and then do the longer descents the rest of the way down. Oh, cool. Or you can take a full day shuttle with a guide where they stop at some cool place in the mountains for lunch. And that's usually 40 to 50. Wow. That's awesome. And you also think you've mentioned that races are less expensive there too. You, you do a lot of racing and your partner does as well. What have you found in terms of the racing there? Yeah. Racing seems far more affordable mm. and I don't know if that's good or not. Maybe there's fewer things that promoters have to pay for. I'm not sure what the reasoning is behind it, but even the, bigger races like there's a an enduro series that i just paid for that's it's called the four enduro and i think they're 50 bucks a piece and a similar i mean kind of the exact same like weekend one day enduro in the u.s was almost 100 oh wow maybe some of them were over 100 so Jeez. yeah it's it's pretty pretty different and that i again i don't know there could be a good reason for that i'm not sure yeah well does it seem like people do more races like i feel like you know, the people that I ride with here, 
you know, they might do one race a month or something like that. But in Europe, is it more like every weekend you're doing a race, whether it's like a local one or maybe you're going to travel? Is it more popular there, would you say? It does seem really popular. I don't know if it's more popular because it, it's always felt to me like people either race or they don't. <laughs> uh, right. Like nobody is just like a casual racer, like sign up for one or two a season. Yeah, that seems less common. That's actually a little bit becoming more my prerogative, but <laughs> it's kind of a fun way to go. Just do the race to check out a new a new new hill, new set of trails. But there does, I mean, I definitely, when I go to races, I see the same people and I have friends who race every single weekend outside of maybe August when it's too hot. And <laughs> Right. Yeah, there's just, there's definitely enough races you could race every weekend. And if you wanted to race cross-country, enduro, downhill, you would have your pick of sometimes three or four races a weekend within driving distance. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it sounds like maybe some of them are better attended too. I mean, you mentioned that race that had 400 people at it. Um, and that's that's not even like, like if there's a race here in the U.S. with 400 people, that would be like a pretty well-known race. But it sounds like, you know, that's maybe a little more common to have these like massive local races in Europe? Yeah, it's it seems like it's becoming more common. The numbers are growing still. Yeah, a lot of races are capped for how many people can race, but the I think part of it is there's a lot of older people who race here. Ah. Some of that might be based on their bikes. Some of <laughs> it is also there's also like older folks who want to race and they have either kids or people in their family who want to race and they bring, they bring all the juniors with them. So there's a pretty strong junior scene. Um, and I know at the Enduros, they'll do like two of the tracks that we do for the, I think it's the kids that are under 17 hmm. and yeah, it just seems like a cool development program that's working out pretty well. There's a bunch of teams that have like really healthy development programs, getting these kids started hmm. and making sure it's fun. So yeah, that's interesting. Well, speaking of older riders, what's the deal with electric mountain bikes in Europe? We hear that a lot here, you know, I mean, here in the U.S., there's tons of debate and argument and name calling and all kinds of things over e-bikes. Um, but what we heard for a while is like, oh, e-bikes are more common or more accepted in Europe. What have you found in, with respect to electric mountain bikes in Italy? Uh, in Italy specifically, I would say that's absolutely true. People don't care what kind of bike you ride on the trail. But do they see it as a bike? I mean, are they, because that seems to be part of the debate here is people are like, oh, it has a motor, it's a motorbike, so. Yeah, no, here, definitely not. It's, I mean, the thing only goes 18 miles an hour. It's, <laughs> yes, it has a motor and it's a bike, but. It's the slowest motorcycle ever. <laughs> yeah, if you've ridden a motorcycle before, you would not waste your time on an e-bike, uh, if that's what you're looking for. I mean, yeah, it's definitely like fully accepted. Nobody that I know has any problem with people riding wherever they want to ride. There are no trails that aren't open to e-bikes. Hmm. There are even e-bike specific races where there will be like some super gnarly climb that would be like technical enough to ride down. Mm -hmm. But that's part of the race is to go up it, yeah. you know, and to see how you can handle the power of the motor versus your skills and your own fitness. Yeah. So it's... Yeah, I mean it's super popular. Yeah. That's interesting that there there isn't that distinction or like trails that are open to certain uses but not others. Um yeah, it definitely sounds a lot more open and accommodating. Yeah, for sure. 
So what surprised you the most about mountain biking in Italy? I would say just the number, the amount of trails. There's just trails literally everywhere. Yeah. And the country is almost entirely mountainous apart from the Po Valley in the north. Mm -hmm. So, and even there, there's trails. They're just flat. Yeah. It's really like there's just somewhere to ride no matter where you go. Yeah. I mean, are these trails like really old? Like why, why are there trails everywhere? Is it just because they've, you know, people have lived in the area for centuries and they've always like, first they were footpaths and then they were bike trails or like, what, why do you ascribe all the, the number of trails to? So a lot of them were, yeah, footpaths for folks that lived up in the mountains and, and maybe farmed in the mountains. Some of them are munitions trails from the military or even from the Romans. So there's these trails that are that look kind of cobblestone, but they're with round stones. And they're called Roman roads or antique roads. Uh-huh. And those are there's chunks of those in a lot of different hiking and mountain biking trails. Yeah. Are those fun to ride? It sounds, sounds bumpy. So they're bumpy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be fun to go down one, I guess, but like pedaling through that doesn't, doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Yeah. It kind of depends on how, how well they held up. Yeah. How much mud was in between things. <laughs> there's also a really healthy Alpine organization here that was actually started in Torino. It's called the CAI. Club Alpino Italiano. And they built they've built tons of trails all over, especially in the Alps, but all over Italy. And I think they might be linked up with other Alpine organizations, I'm not sure, to to kind of go beyond that. Yeah. And then there's Imba trails and there's tons and tons and tons of social trails. I would argue that maybe half of the trails in the country are just trails that mountain bikers built for fun. Huh. That are that shoot off of the ancient the antique trails and, um, you know, and are kind of built above and below yeah. all the stuff that was there before. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of folks just building trails on the mountain behind their house. Yeah. Well here, I mean, it seems like a lot of the concern with that kind of practice with building social trails or illegal trails, whatever you want to call them is with like degradation of the natural environment that you're going to like cause erosion or you're going to kill trees or whatever it is. But it seems like in Europe, the concern might be cultural, like that you would, you know, build a trail through some like ancient tomb or like artifact or something like destroy these like cultural resources. Is, is that a concern? I think it is for some folks and like anything, there's kind of like a level of how, cavalier people want to be about it and how much they want to kind of look into what they should do. There's certainly a push by different organizations like Imba Italia that are trying to inform folks about how to build a trail and how to build drainage and how to check and make sure that you're not um, affecting different stream drainages and species of plants and animals. Yeah. But I, I would say, yeah, historically, probably that's not been a focus. Hmm. <laughs> there, there, there are a lot of trails that look like they were kind of thrown together, maybe not always so well. Yeah, interesting. So are there things about mountain biking in the U.S. or maybe certain trails that you miss living in Europe right now? For sure, yeah. I mean, I think like really long single tracks back in the woods with friends or solo where you just don't run into anybody, you don't see 
trace of humanity for several hours. I, I miss that a lot. There's some places up around Hood River, like Hood River, Oregon, mm-hmm. on the 44 trails that are just magical. I miss that place for sure. And Smith Creek Loop on Mount St. Helens. I used to ride like 10 or 12 times a year, and it's it's super cool. Just a really like different, unique place. Next time I go back there to visit, I'm sure I'll ride it again. Yeah. Yeah, those those places where you can just really get lost were pretty special. Yeah, interesting. Well, to me, I mean, you seem focused on more of the like enduro side right now. It, did that change? Like when you lived in the U.S., were you more cross country focused, and was that a product of like where you were at the time, or is it like you say, like a cultural thing where everybody is sort of moving more toward gravity and like enduro type riding? When I was in Oregon, we were riding, we were starting to ride more gravity and going to places like Post Canyon in Oregon and, you know, really like trying to best each other, going as fast as we could downhill on on whatever bikes we had. The shift was definitely happening, but here, a lot of the best trails are built that way. Like they're built to ride up the fire road and ride down the trail fast. That's what they're, what they're for and how they're designed. And I still ride cross country occasionally not a ton and i still really enjoy it but i definitely think that yeah moving here and the the way the trails are built and also the culture of the folks i ride with has had a bit big influence on what i like to ride yeah well it almost sounds like the trails are sort of the local trails especially are set up more for like you know after work type rides like weekday rides where you can go out and then maybe there aren't those like weekend epics, you know, where here, like people would drive up to mountains or whatever and ride like six hours on their bikes or four hours, whatever it is that they're up for. But instead then maybe in Europe, people are are racing on their weekends instead of doing these like long epic rides. Is that, is that fair to say, or am I like making a big leap here? I mean, people here are definitely driving up to the mountains and going on big rides on the weekend, but those, those big rides might more so than the US, not entirely, but more so be like go shuttle or ride the lifts or ride up, you know, do a two hour climb up a fire road and hit some big epic trail back down. And that's kind of like a big long day. Yeah. You know, rather than like hitting a cool river trail for four or five hours. Yeah. Interesting. Well, here in the US, too, I guess one of the differences perhaps would be that. The trails, like the epic trails, the trails that everybody sort of dreams about riding one day, they seem to be located in the West where you have um, like some desert spots like Sedona and Moab that you don't really have that in Europe, right? I mean, what is like the the spot where everybody aspires to go ride or, you know, they plan like their annual vacation around going to ride those places? Ooh, to compare to Sedona and Moab is tough. Those places are so amazing. <laughs> mm, interesting. Yeah. They're, I mean, yeah. Would you say they're kind of in a class of their own then? Yeah. I mean, I think for the variety of riding, especially I, I really love Sedona. I think that place is one of the best places to ride a mountain bike mm-hmm. and the variety of riding you can get there and the amount of challenge you can find no matter what your skill level is fantastic. I think here the the main kind of destination spots are either ski resorts. There's there are several places in the Dolomites. Uh, for example, in Val di Fassa, there's a city called Canadze, 
where there's a there's tons of amazing riding all around it. You can ride up trails and down and like everywhere all over. And there are, I'm sure there are other places like that to discover in the Alps that I haven't been to yet. Yeah. Finale is definitely it's the spot that people come from all over to check out kind of all year long. Yeah. Kind of everybody in Europe has heard of it and knows that's the place I want to go ride my mountain bike. It's going to be cool. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Is that I mean has that been the case for a long time? I mean, or is Finale kind of like up and coming or, I mean, it's not up and coming anymore. It's arrived, but, but is this something that's happened in the last like five years or has it always been sort of as well known as it is now? That I'm not so sure of. I have an interview coming up with the guy that runs the super enduro Enrico Guala. And so I'll chat with him about that and get an answer for you. Yeah. Cause it seems like in the U S you know, Sedona even, Five years ago, maybe five years ago, most people had heard of it, but you go farther back than that and it wasn't sort of the hot spot that it is now. And then certainly like Bentonville, Arkansas, you know, I mean, that's, that's one that was nowhere five years ago and now everybody wants to go to Bentonville. Yeah. From what I've heard, Finale has been a place to ride for quite a while. It was a rock climbing destination before that and still is. And so there's there there was already a culture of outdoors fun and camping and tourism in the forest, not just on the beach. So they kind of already had some of the things in place. And I'm sure that the EWS and Super Enduro putting on numerous races there has something to do with it as well. Yeah, it does seem like having big events like that really raises the profile of a spot. I mean... Sedona is one of those with the the festival that they have there every year getting bigger and bigger. For sure. Yeah. I don't think anybody would even know the name of the city that I live in if the Olympics didn't happen here. So, <laughs> right. Right. It's <laughs> another another example. Yeah, that's a good point. So, if you had a friend that was from the US planning a trip to Italy to go mountain biking, where would you suggest that they ride? Well, I have that situation coming up this summer. It just so happens. Probably a lot of people. People are like, oh, you live in Italy now. I'm actually coming out. You got a place to stay and can I borrow your car and a bike rack? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yep. Um, So I think the first place I would suggest, uh, both because it's unique and beautiful and the trails are really, you can't find them anywhere else. They're pretty special is Kanadze, which is over in the Dolomites. I think it's maybe a five hour drive from me. Okay. Yeah, it's it's just amazing. Like just massive peaks all around you. There's huge, huge rocks and yeah, it's it's really cool, really unique. People speak a different language there. A lot of not everyone, but a lot of people do. They have their own local dialect that people actually use still. Yeah. Yeah, it's close enough to Germany and Slovenia and Austria that there's folks from all those places there. So you get to, you get to meet a lot of riders from all over the place. Yeah. Super cool spot. Very cool. Yeah. I guess with that same buddy, uh, we're going to Les Ox and Les Ol, which are in the, the French Alps. Okay. And pretty similar, like super high Alpine, uh, just really amazing places to ride up in the mountains, like some of it above the tree line. Yeah. Just a, a totally different experience. Yeah, very cool. And it sounds like Finale as well is a good spot to go, especially if you're there like sort of in the winter season. I mean, most people from the U.S., if they're going to Europe, they're going to go in the summer. But 
I guess in those other seasons, uh, some of those Mediterranean spots would be pretty awesome to check out. Definitely. Yeah. Going to Finale and Sardinia and Sicily, Elba, there's, there's quite a few good places to go in the winter, um, that are going to be warm enough to ride. They may not be, you may not get a tan, but (laughs) it's, uh, it's good riding and it's dry. Yeah. Right on. Cool. Well, this has been really educational for me. Um, I love learning about mountain biking in different places around the world. And yeah, it's really cool that you're able to be there and, and to check it out and to report on all of it for single tracks. Yeah, I'm really enjoying uh, checking out all the, the different places and looking for kind of what's interesting and unique about them and you know trying to share that story with folks. Yeah, awesome. Well, yeah, you can see the latest from Giro, his reports from mountain biking in Italy, including uh, some coverage of a lot of the EWS races this summer. And you can also go to single tracks to find trails in Italy and other countries all over the world. That's all we've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace. Peace.